Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show. Coming up today, we're going to talk with Dr. Isaac Bogosh about the latest on the vaccine front. And since we're on the topic, York Region started to sign people up for vaccinations yesterday if you're 85 and older. What did that look like? Well, we're joined by their Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kurji. Did York Public Health anticipate the demand that we heard about yesterday? 24,000 people trying to book between 8 a.m. and 8.30 via your online system? Well, you know, there is a pent-up demand. There's no question about it. We have actually been urging folks uh, to be very patient. We are here to stay. We know that the vaccines are coming in, and they're going to be coming in at increasing amounts. And therefore, we are sort of asking folks, you know, to bear with us. I know we are using a plan B, which is really not as robust as plan A, but the plan B makes use of the hospital booking systems, together with our own booking system, which is really based on uh, ActiveNet, which is uh, a system that the municipalities have been using for a long time for the recreational programs. And we've adapted that for flu vaccinations. And now it's been adapted again for COVID-19 vaccinations. So despite the initial challenges, which are essentially due to the fact that we don't have enough vaccine to deliver all the bookings as it were, So um, we are hoping for additional shipments of the vaccine, but even if we have a regular basis for the vaccine shipments to be coming in, and as these particular come through, everybody will be able to get vaccinated. Uh, Dr. Kurji, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you just say, I just want some clarification here, that basically what York Region is doing is they're using the same system they use to book uh, recreational programs? Because those systems we've already heard are, you know, some of the worst and some of the most frustrating for people. And what I found most shocking is that people in the same household, we're talking about 80-year-olds, the most vulnerable, can't book appointments together by household. Are you looking to remedy that? Because that's a big deal. Uh, We are not actually booking appointments by household. It is only individuals who have been born in 1941 or earlier and who are residents of York Region. And actually, the system has worked quite well for us. Um, We haven't had any particular issues with the scheduling system. And remember, we had adopted this one for flu immunization clinics. So it isn't exactly the same way as a recreational uh, program, but our IT folks have actually made, made some adaptations to it. Mm-hmm. Would you consider booking appointments by households? Because like, Dr. Kurji, what concerns me about this is there are people saying they went on to book like their mother and father in the, who are both in their 80s, both in the same uh, grouping that's allowed. They went on and they found that mom got the appointment and then what they had to do is start all over again. And by the time, because the the demand was so hyped, by the time they got dad booked, he was like later on in the day or later in a different day. The, what we're trying to do is keep vulnerable people in a pandemic um, at home as much as possible. And this is like just a logistic nightmare for some families. So we understand some frustrations and that you know the road's going to be a little bumpy but and this is why we actually ask people to us and to bear with us uh unfortunately uh right now uh this is plan b uh it isn't right. plan a uh and therefore you know we can expect a few more bumps and we ask people to be patient uh, however the feedback we have received is that of a sense of relief from those that have managed to 
receive their vaccines. Uh, because remember, we started vaccinating yesterday and we continue to do so. We continue to add clinic capacities as the vaccine supply becomes available. Sometimes there are cancellations from folks. Sometimes, unfortunately, some folks may have double booked where you know they shouldn't have really. And sometimes uh, we may be able to find extra vaccine um, through uh, particular maneuvering between the different uh, places where immunizations are held. We are working together with our hospital partners and our community physicians. So we have at least five clinics that are operational per se. Are you mm. concerned about the, I'm sorry to rush you along here, but I know that you have to go. You're on a time limit. So I'm trying to keep that in mind. And I, I want to get all my questions in here so we can get some answers. Are you concerned about the long lines forming outside those vaccination centers that you just mentioned? So we urge people really only to come there if they've actually got a booking made. Unfortunately, there are some people who do come there without bookings. Um, we also urge people to possibly stay in their cars, be dressedly warmed, and just appear about 10 minutes prior. That way we would okay. really minimize numbers of lines. Future appointments you say will be available once capacity allows and vaccine supplies available. You're, you're urging people to check back often as announcements are made on various channels. Uh, what are those various channels that people in York Region should be aware of? So the best place of course would be our website, york.ca slash COVID-19 vaccine. However, we would be using social media channels, um, the usual sort of media channels that we have in York Region, um, and any other vehicles that we have to disseminate information. However, I do want to urge people that the situation is very fluid and dynamic. As soon as vaccines become available, um, you know, we'll just open things up. Okay. Dr. Kurji, I know you're on a time limit here and you're a very busy man, so I appreciate the time you spared for us and I will let you go. Thank you so much, Kelly. Take care. You as well. Dr. Kareem Kurji is York Region's Chief Medical Officer of Health. I want to just open up the phone lines. Can we talk about this? Because, I, I mean, Dr. Kurji, lovely man, clearly wants your patience. I, he's not a computer programmer. He's the Chief Medical Officer of Health in York Region. As he said, this isn't ideal. He's working on Plan B, not Plan A. But when... I just want to know what your experience was if you were in Hamilton, because Hamilton did this as well. York Region opened their um, online booking system. How frustrating was it for you? Because it's one thing to say, please have patience. And another thing to sit there and try and have patience. I heard like websites were crashing. And then if the website crashed, people were being directed to a phone line that tells them call back later. I just wonder if there were any reservations that were taken by phone. 416-870-6400. We'll open up the phone lines and give you an opportunity to talk about your experience with the, you know, I fully expected the demand to be high. What I didn't expect was it to be so short-sighted when it came to the reservation platform to not build in the option of setting up a reservation for, you know, more than one person per household. And I don't know if Dr. Kurji understood what I was getting at. But I don't think if you have two 80-something-year-olds that are both eligible to get the vaccination, that you should be trying to book each one separately. They should be booked in a block. That's like, it's like buying a concert ticket 
you know, a pair of concert tickets, one seat at a time for an extremely popular con. This is the world's most popular band, this vaccination program, basically. And you're saying to people, hey, I got an idea too. You want to go together? Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead and try and book those seats together, but you're going to have to buy a pair of tickets separately. It makes zero sense to me. Let's open up the phone lines and get your uh, reaction to uh, your experience yesterday or what you're hearing about the vaccination program in Hamilton and York being opened, at least the registration being opened online yesterday. Because there was a lot of older people trying to navigate their way through a system that, quite frankly, doesn't come as second nature to them. You know, a lot of us work with computers on a daily basis, but if you are not computer savvy and tech savvy, it's going to be a problem for you. And let's face it, it's an age group that did not grow up with computers being second nature to them. Hey, Jason and Markham, did you have an experience yesterday with the online booking system? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, if, uh, yeah, I love your analogy of a rock band because we were, we heard last week this was going to come up. We didn't realize that things would go as great as they did, but we were ready at 7.59. Um, my son got on for my in-laws. Uh, amazed to us at 3.50 and 4 p.m. yesterday. They received wow. the vaccinations. The people yep. at, at Richmond Green up in Richmond Hill um, were just lovely people. Um, they actually did take my in-laws together, even though their appointments were 10 minutes apart. Um, all I can so how old is your son? My son's like 25. He just wasn't working. Okay. Yet. So you basically Anybody what you want to do is your strategy is get your most computer savvy, uh, individual in your life to start booking. Exactly. And be, and be on the ball. Like I, 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 yeah. I, I think it's a little naive to think you were going to get on at 1030. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just, anyway, I, I, I do well, agree with you though. If there was a button that says, is there another qualified person in your household? And you could book the two together. That would be very good because I think my son was really lucky to get the second appointment because he did. Yeah, I think he was really lucky. And, you know, the other good thing is, is that that your parents planned ahead and had some kids and you guys planned ahead and had some kids because people like me uh, that don't have kids. I don't know that I'm going to have that support system that's ready to go. So, I mean, I don't think we can always say that, well, you just have to get you know, a younger person in your life to to book things online. Because by the time we get to that age, like Jason, who knows? I don't know if I'm going to have the computer chip in my body. Do I have to find somebody I know with a computer chip? Do you know what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah. But I, I, I'm so happy that it worked out. So did they get their vaccine? They got vaccinated yesterday, first shot. Yeah, I couldn't. I thought we were just going to wow. get a date. And, and it was boom. And then they've even said that they're booked to go back on the 21st to get the second shot. Amazing, because I know that right now, and we're going to talk with Dr. Bogosh in a matter of minutes, right now what uh, for the Ford government is considering is that we're going to stretch that out. We're going to stretch the vaccination out to four months later. So that's great news for your parents. Congratulations. Thanks for sharing, Jason. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Al in Toronto, did you get online and did you try and book? Yeah. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, I was able to get on. Uh, I booked my dad for an appointment, no problem. Uh, it took me about five minutes. I logged on at like the other gentleman there, 7.59, refresh, 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 and I got an appointment. I took the appointment for Friday for him to get the shot because that's my office. 
Okay. So you worked around your schedule, but you were able to work around your schedule. It wasn't the same idea as, and I was wondering if we shouldn't have got doctor's offices to say, here are my patients over 85. You tell us when, uh, you know, hand it to York Region and say, you schedule the appointment, tell us, we'll get back to our clients, which would have been another way to go. Cause you know, most people in their eighties have a family doctor. Um, but that wouldn't have allowed for them to work things around caregiver schedules. But I'll tell you, my dad has a doctor in, in Scarborough, in, in Scarborough, and that's where we've gone to the doctor in, in Canada. But when I asked his doctor about vaccinations, he has no clue what's going on. No. When I asked him if he's going to be vaccinating you know, his patient or if he has any way, he's like, he said, Al, I have no idea what's going on with vaccinations. So if you live in York region, get your dad the shot because I don't know what's going to happen yeah, no, I hear you. I appreciate the call, uh, Al. And that's not the first time we've heard that family doctors don't have any idea what's going on. Uh, they say this was sprung on them, the idea that they would uh, be booking for, you know, some clients um, and, and that you could call your doctor's office because you call your doctor's office right now. They're like, yeah, we're still waiting on the information there. Um, we'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Isaac Bogosh, infectious disease specialist and physician, member of Ontario's Vaccine Tax Force, Welcome to the show. Good to have you on, Dr. Bogosh. Thanks for having me back on. Hey, let's piggyback off what that listener was just talking about. Where are we at with doctor's offices and informing them about um, vaccinating uh, their clients? Yeah, so a couple points. First, the on centralized Ontario sign-up tool isn't going to be online until about mid-March. I think I heard the date March 15th. Of course, it might, you know, plus or minus a couple of days. That's going to be one-stop shopping. You sign up, you put your name in, you put where you live, and it'll point in the direction of uh, vaccination centers near, near near your place of residence. So that's one point. The second point is a lot of public health units have said, you know what, we have access to vaccine now. We're going to start this process earlier. And they are. Uh, not all of them, but many of the public health units are doing that. And uh, really, it's important to, if in the next two weeks before the centralized system comes online, you can look on your local public health unit's website to see how you could sign up for vaccinations. Now, primary care docs have been reaching out to, I mean, this, is, this obviously is a team effort. It doesn't all mm-hmm. lie on primary care physicians. Uh, it relies on the entire community. We have to help a, identify people who are over the age of 80 who would be eligible for vaccinations. B, help them navigate, uh, quite frankly, a challenging system. And C, help them mobilize to the nearest vaccine center so that they can get access to the vaccine. It really is going to take a village. It's going to take family members, community members, neighbors, uh, community-based organizations, primary care docs. It's going to take everybody to help do this. Speaking of vaccinations, Friday we got some great news that AstraZeneca was approved by Health Canada for use here in Canada. And so that was a bit of a, you know, couple of days of celebration. We hear we may get our first um, shipments in of AstraZeneca by tomorrow. But now Canada's National Advisory Committee on Immunization is uh, recommending that AstraZeneca not be used for people over 65. Um, is this about efficacy? What's going on there? It's really about data, not not necessarily efficacy. And basically what they said was in all the data that they reviewed, they didn't feel that there was enough uh, evidence 
to support the use of this vaccine in the over 65 crowd. That doesn't mean it's not going to be successful in the over 65 crowd. It means that they didn't see enough evidence to support its use. So basically, if you look at the clinical trial, they're just isn't enough people enrolled that were over the age of 65 such that they could say, you know what, this is a good vaccine for that age cohort. What else? But the other interesting point, though, is if you look, the data comes from multiple sources, right? You can look at the immunology data, which is actually pretty good. People of all age groups had a very similar and strong immune reaction to the vaccine. You can look at the clinical trial data, which we sort of discussed, didn't really have a lot of people enrolled over the age of 65. And then you can look at real world data, which is emerging globally. We've seen some excellent data from Scotland and now some data from uh, England, basically demonstrating that, hey, you know what, this vaccine uh, compared to the Pfizer vaccine basically is comparable after the first dose in preventing severe illness, hospitalization uh, in, in people over the age of 70. So it's just another example of people can look at all the same data come up with different conclusions. And of course, when you have a policy, it's important to keep maintaining and updating that policy with new data. It doesn't mean people are flipping and flopping. It means you're adapting your policy as data emerges so that you have the most data-driven uh, and up-to-date policy. Maybe this will change, maybe this won't change. I, I just think as long as it's communicated in, in, in a meaningful, transparent manner, we'll be doing something right. But if we've got various interpretations of what the data means, doctor, aren't we talking about spin here? No, this is science. It's not spin. This, this but I mean, it, well beyond. But how can you have various what? interpretations of science? You certainly can. This happens all the time. You can have multiple groups look at the same data and come to different policy conclusions, right? The data is the data. It doesn't mean it's per- that it, the data is not perfect, right? Like, put yourself in their shoes. I'm not defending them, by the way. I'm just saying it's, it's totally reasonable in my mind to have. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be contrary, the by the way. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. trying to get to. Yeah, I'm but, trying to but, understand this. So you you've got a. So let's just be totally transparent here. You've got a big phase three clinical trial that, by any standards, was kind of sloppy science, right? You had different doses, different countries. Uh, data was mushed together, and and you couldn't make a lot of the phase three clinical trial data. For AstraZeneca, such that they are actually redoing and uh, another big phase three clinical trial. We'll have the results of that, that from the American data. I don't know in the coming weeks. I think, um, but but there just wasn't a ton of people that were enrolled in that study that were over the age of sixty-five. Everyone's got access to that. It's publicly available. You can click and click and see all the access and see all the data yourself. Now, are you going to say, uh, based on this, should we give this vaccine to people over the age of sixty-five? Some people said, you know what, we're not. We've got other vaccines at our disposal. We just don't know yes or no if this is going to provide the same level of protection. And we're not going to do that. Other places have said, yeah, these vaccines are great. Even if it has less efficacy, this is a public health emergency. Something is better than nothing. Let's vaccinate our population. It doesn't matter over or under 65. Old people are at greater risk of dying. Let's get anything we can if those arms stop the death. Both are different interpretations of the exact same data. What's really interesting, though, is there's examples of people changing with time. France yesterday, so France said we're not going to vaccinate over 65 with AstraZeneca. Yesterday, and that's what they've done from the beginning. Yesterday, they pivoted, and now they are vaccinating Mm. those over the age of 65 with AstraZeneca. So, again, people can look at the same data and come to different conclusions. Well, you're on the Ontario Vaccine Task Force. Which way are we leaning? I got to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I don't. I mean, like, this just came out yesterday. Um, right. I don't 
think that's going to be a task force related decision. That's more of a, um, the Ministry of Health and, and the chief public health officer, I think, will be opining on this. And, you know, they, okay. I'm not punting. It's just so that that's who's going to make the decision for something like this. It wouldn't really be under the realm of the task force. You know, we'll we'll basically figure out whatever's approved for what age group. We'll try to find ways to implement that and roll that out smoothly and quickly. But that decision would be at more of a provincial senior provincial level. Okay, let's get back to clinical data for a second here. Contrary to the clinical data about Pfizer and Moderna and the interval between first and second doses, British Columbia has decided that they'll extend the interval interval between the first and second doses by four months. That's to four months. So um, some experts say this amounts to a population-level experiment. I know Ontario's considering following suit. Where's the evidence that this is a good idea? Oh, this is such a great topic because it's exactly related to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Again, you can all look at the same data and come to a different conclusion. So here's the deal. Pfizer and Moderna, right? We know Pfizer's dose day one and day 21. Uh, Moderna was dose day one and day 28 based on the clinical trials. There's nothing magical about those dates. Those dates were picked uh, ahead of time. That's what the clinical trials did. That's what we have the most data for. Following that, you've got a growing global experience and growing data sets demonstrating that you can extend the the duration between dose one and dose two. I would say that, you know, we got to timestamp all our conversations because data is changing quickly sure. and policy changes quickly. But if you were to timestamp it today, I think it's fair to say that if you lined up most public health professionals, scientists, epidemiologists, doctors, you name it, I, I would imagine that the vast majority of them would say, you know what? it is okay to extend that second dose based on the data that we have available today. What I think the contentious the issue is, is yeah. how long can you extend the second dose? Not can you extend the second dose? BC said four months, Quebec was doing it three months, the UK was doing it, I think sometime between three and four months. Like people are doing this in real world mm. uh, settings and that's driving a lot of our collective global experience. In Ontario, we were delaying the second dose when we had the big Pfizer shortage to day between day 35 to 42. Um, and 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 that's reasonable. I mean, I think that's totally, totally reasonable. Is four months. But the four okay? months isn't the yep. four months picked. It wasn't that based on something going on in Israel who are leading uh, the world in in population immunization. I mean, they sure do, are. don't they, they sure are, but don't I, they have some sort of information that says that they're they're noticing the efficacy actually is even better when you wait longer to give that second booster? Again, it's going to be very dependent on which vaccine, because they're not all created the same. And of course, it's, the, mud, the water is a bit muddy because different countries and even within the country, different regions are doing different things. So I can't confidently look you in the eye and tell you with a straight face the outcomes of delaying that second dose by four months. Uh, but I can confidently look you in the eye and tell you with a straight face that it's, it's reasonable to extend the, the duration of that second dose. I think provinces are going to look at the existing, emerging, and of course, imperfect data in different manners and come to different policies. I don't think anyone's doing anything dangerous. I think like you wouldn't want to drop the second dose. Let's put it that way. Like you still need dose two. That's a given. Right. And I don't think you're seeing anyone delay dose two beyond four months anywhere on the planet. I think four months is probably the maximum that's that's being done. Um, and I think that's reasonable as long as we're working within that that realm. I mean, people are talking about this with 
a high degree of confidence, and you can't because you don't have data to support having a very confident opinion on this matter. Um, you know, if you think about it from a public health perspective, get more vaccines into more arms in the shortest time possible, and that's going to prevent death. And that's what BC is doing. They've just with this policy, they've bumped up the schedule for vaccination by months, by months. Uh, and All right. uh, you know, this this might this might end up being a winner. We'll keep an eye on Ontario and what we decide to do. I want to thank you for your time, Dr. Bogosh. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and, and you know, discuss some of the things that I think uh, maybe uh, other people might miss. Uh, thank you. That's very kind. Have a great day. All right. Have a great day. Isaac Bogosh, infectious disease physician and member of Ontario's Vaccine Task Force. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, we broadcast live for three hours daily, 9 till noon on 640toronto.com.